Hey everybody, welcome back to BFD. On Ken, bro! Whoa! Yas. That's right. Jake's here. Whoa, that's Yas. crazy. Yas. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, if you can't tell by <laughs> my off pink colored shirt and Jake's obviously better looking shirt, <laughs> we went and saw the Barbie movie. Today we are doing the Barbenheimer Challenge, if it's the a Barbenheimer Challenge. The yeah. Barbenheimer yeah, Challenge. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to go see Oppenheimer after this review. This is upside down. Yeah. Did you know that? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go see Oppenheimer after this, but before we go and see Oppenheimer, we wanted to go over what our thoughts were on the Barbie movie, and uh, let's just get into it. Right out the gate, um, mid. I told Jake, like, within, like, five minutes yeah. I, that I wanted to walk out of the theater. Um, the biggest problem that this movie has yeah. is that it is essentially... It's like reading a non-fiction book for the plot. Yeah, pretty um, much. It, the entire movie is one giant lecture with some really uh, fun visual elements in between. Yeah. And Which, uh, that's about it. We'll get into that part, but yeah. first... They did a great job with marketing on this one. Yeah. That theater was packed. Yes. And, and when we, we were leaving... There was a line out of the theater, which I had never seen before. And we went in at 1245, mm -hmm. and it was, like Jake said, it was packed. And somebody took our seats, and so we wound up taking somebody else's seats. And they went in to go sit next to us, and I tried not to make eye contact yeah, because they... Little, yeah, it was a little awkward, yeah. but, you know, whatever. They did a great job of marketing. Um, nobody really knew what this movie was about, as far as I could tell. Yeah. And still kind of don't? Uh, no, uh, you could definitely tell nobody knew what was this movie was really about because there were a lot of small children in the movie. Yes. And I don't think it was really yes. geared towards them. It seemed to be more so geared towards their mothers and uh, people with art degrees. But I will say, mm -hmm. the use of Barbie, however you want to call that, the Barbification, was done well, yeah. I think. I'm not a Barbie fan, necessarily. And unlike Sonic 2, or 1, the movies, I am still not a Barbie fan. But they definitely leaned into the toy aspect well. I mean, there was a lot of references, I guess you yeah. could call it. Yeah, like the uh, her wardrobe being like the box when you yeah. open it. And uh, instead of... Uh, Instead of Barbie uh, walking down outside of the house, she just floats down like somebody's picking her up and putting her down. Little things like that. The whole kind of toy effects whenever something action happens. Yes. Um, yeah, that was enjoyable. I thought that was pretty unique just from a visual standpoint. Right. I, I was like, oh, wow, that's something that we don't see a lot. Uh, so I definitely appreciated that. They, they did it, and it looked cool. Yeah, that's one thing. But yeah. let's talk about the comedy a little bit. I didn't have a great time in the movie. However, anytime something funny happened, I laughed. It's I think it's like a branch of awkward humor or something maybe, but it's very like self-aware, not ironic I wouldn't say. Yeah, which is like the theme of the movie. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but anytime, like Ken, Ken, my favorite part of the film. I thought Ken was hilarious. I also like Ken, but I like that Ken, not the other Ken. Yes. Anytime he would laugh, it's sort of like a masculine defense, he would go, ha 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 ha. 
Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the, <laughs> you know, laugh. There was sort of this incel vibe, but I do think it was made a bit funnier because it was There's Ryan like Gosling as, like, sexy Ryan Gosling. Right. Which was done better than Harry Styles in Don't Worry Darling, where he right. was just an incel. Yeah. Which this movie, I guess, could be called Don't Worry Barbie. Because <laughs> it's pretty much... It's pretty much that. But yeah, no, I enjoyed the comedy for a lot of it. I mean, you know, comedy's subjective. Not everything hit for me, but there were a lot of times that I did audibly laugh in the movie. And you know what? If you can say nothing else about it, if you're an adult, you will think it's funny. If you're a kid, you'll Probably. go, Barbie. Barbie. And that's yeah. about it, because you're not going to understand anything that's going on. Like Jake was saying earlier, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting use of IP uh, for a movie. Um, it's not what I expected it was going to be, um, and I, Jake is the same way, but uh, I, I do find that fascinating just as a case study. Um, and uh, would I rather get something like Barbie versus something like uh, Battleship? I mean, at least Barbie's, like, interesting. I haven't, I haven't seen Battleship. <laughs> it's not good, but Rihanna's in it. Oh. <laughs> this one lady walked up and said, do you have the time? And he went, oh, you respect me. <laughs> It's so, it's so, it's it's weird, man. But it, it's kind of funny. It is funny, um, but I but I think that that sort of ties into the theme, mm -hmm. multiple themes. Yeah, maybe. which we will talk about now. For the most part, it felt like the film was a very feminist in your face. You know, twenty twenty three like thing. Mm -hmm. You know. Preachy. But there were, but there were, yes, very preachy. But there were also some other tones of like masculinity and like anti-corporate stuff, mm. which I thought that they were going to play into more, other than just mentioning it. But then the resolution didn't include those things. Right. Um, well, I think they were more so offshoots of that theme. Right. Um, and they were like because. Without getting too political, it's it's just a mesh of an entire one ideology. So if it's a feminist film, no, it's a left-leaning film. Like it's just it's just like a left-wing film. Because yes, it includes feminism as its main core, but everything off of it also happens to follow like the. It, it's not. It, it is a very partisan film in in that yeah. respect. And so you could say, well, I mean, feminism leads to the idea of being anti, uh, you know, corporate or anti-capitalist or... They, they yeah. all sort of coincide. Right. It's you, all a part you can, of the... You can make that argument, but for one film to encapsulate all of that and still try to tell a central story about essentially three or four people, mm -hmm. it, it's it's a bit it's it's a bit much. It's just like stick to your lane. You can make offhand comments, but like Jake said, they did try to thematically bring those together and it was weird it was and it, it, it didn't mesh it wasn't right. cohesive it, it was sort of passing lines that would come up again which i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's a, it's hard to do that yeah it is hard to tell five different themes that are sort of contradictory in the some way in the same one i think nope suffered from that same problem yeah but i mean yeah it's a very politically charged film and I really thought it was going to be a sort of ironic take mm. to it, and it wasn't. Because they were being very blatant at the beginning. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be sort of the reverse of why it's destructive, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It ended up not being the case. And we got towards the end, and Ken and all the Kins are, are, are disregarded, that's a word, right? Yeah. By all the Barbies. I thought there was going to be some sort of revelation for the Barbies to be like, oh, we're not treating them right. Mm-hmm. That's why they took over. Right. And that and, was never addressed. And that didn't happen. But I felt like it should have, and I felt like that's sort of where they were going, mm-hmm. but it... Well, that's where it would have gone if it was made like 15 years ago. Um, and so the, the problem, and Jake is absolutely right on the point of this, but the hey. problem starts off where you see that it's Barbie land, women rule everything, they're every level from the presidency to the Supreme Court to the construction workers, which is a woman's favorite job. They, for some reason, insist on, you know, keeping the men to uh, roles that do not matter in their society, like, at all. Well, and it's sort of like, and I, and I, and I kind of was thinking this too, it's sort of a, a role reversal mm-hmm. saying, trying to be like, oh, men, don't you see? This is how it was for us. Right. And so the setup on there, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that will be uh, interesting because she's going to go to the real world, she's going to see how women are treated in the real world, and then she'll empathize and go, you know, maybe we don't want to be like them because, you know, men rule every single aspect of the real world, you know, outside of the vice presidency and, you know, parts of the Supreme Court and, you know, other corporate boards. But anyway, anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, so because men rule every single aspect of the world and women contribute absolutely nothing to the world, like, you know, the creation of every human being, um, since they don't have anything to offer, oh, wow, that makes me feel bad. So when I go back to my home and I see that we do that to, to a group of people that are all, I, I guess, biologically on the genetic same side, uh, and they don't have anything to offer this society, oh, maybe we shouldn't treat them as though they're disposable, like we were treated in the real world. Um, and no, they don't do that. Actually, at the end of the day... They're like, oh, actually, we're gonna take all. We're taking all the power back because we did it democratically. Yeah. And you know what they say? The majority should always win, no matter what, because fuck the other forty nine percent. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. And I and I thought and, and again I thought they were gonna they were gonna wrap it up nicely when one of the kids was like, oh, can we have at least one house on the Barbie uh, Supreme Court? Yeah. And she then, went, nope. She said, no, we'll give you some lower court appeals. And then the narrator's like. And maybe one day they'll get as much power as women have right now. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Who runs Star Wars? Now, the narrator it really has me a bit confused on this. because I. It seems tongue-in-cheek. It does. It yeah. does. And that's where I'm like, is Greta Gerwig saying the opposite of this? Because the narrator she... breaks the fourth wall and, and addresses a yeah. few of those things. One of them being, if... If the filmmakers wanted to show that Barbie doesn't have to be perfect, they shouldn't have cast Margot Robbie. Right. Which was really funny. And Greta Gerwig wrote that. Right. And, and, that, and the narrator is a self-insert for the writer. Almost all the time. Not all the time, but almost all the time. Especially when they're like an omniscient narrator, mm-hmm. right? And so that was Greta Gerwig's voice, un- unfiltered, right, in, in the scenes. And um, for, on the one hand... By the way, I'm glad that the narrator didn't just come in the end, or come in the beginning and then the end. I'm glad that there were some inserts mm-hmm. in between. A lot of movies don't do that for some yeah. reason. It's really weird. 
yeah, it, it does, like Jake said, it seems really tongue-in-cheek, um, but, um, but at the same time, um, I, I, I think it's meant to sound like it's tongue-in-cheek to help maybe the nastiness of this movie's message go down your throat better, essentially. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what I think it is, uh, and I'm not trying to say anything about anybody's character, I'm just saying in terms of getting across your theme that if women are oppressed in real world, men should be oppressed in Barbie world, that's kind of a nasty thing to say. Well, it's not, it's not progress. Well, no, it's, which is, well, which it's, is, it's not equality. No, that's, no. This movie is anti-equality. And, and at the end of the day, most people in the West are totally fine with equality. Yeah, well, and, and, so, and so this is another sort of idea that I thought, okay, maybe they're going to play into this a little bit. There, there's, there's a sequence, I forget what it is, but basically it's sort of revealed that Ken just wants to protect and care for Barbie. Again, it's a passing line. They're like, you silly, stupid bitch. And so I thought that they were gonna I thought that they were going to play with this idea of why the kids were revolting. Mm -hmm. Is because the Barbies didn't give them what they wanted and or needed. It's just one of those things, it's like the 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 whole point of the movie, like Jake said, is that Kins are the incels or the Redditors, um, and uh, and uh, you know, all they want is to have some value in the society because they don't feel valued by Barbie land, by the powers that be. And so basically the response to that, so the film says, is, well, they shouldn't have anything to do because they are useless, they are pointless. And then, wow, a violent overthrowing takes place. Who would have ever uh, seen that coming? Like, it, it's just, again, it's, they, they have an idea here, and they said, all right, here's our Barbie idea. It's going to be politically charged. And instead of coming together with some unifying vision, which it doesn't have to be like a milk toast kind of like, can't we all just get along? You know, like you can make concessions on each side and, and have like a, a message about, hey, it's hard to live together with different kind of people, but we want to because that's the values that we like. We like, we like diversity. We like uh, equity. We like inclusion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, at the end of the day, it's just like actually... If all you kids could just like just stay on the beach and not really do anything and beach and, each other off, yeah, and beach each other off, then uh, we're good here. Mm -hmm. And so it's just it's kind of fucked up actually. And there was also this really really sub theme about living in the real world is better than living in the yeah. barbie world, which I thought was great, and but they kind of didn't. Well, also like the 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 kind of ancillary theme around the whole thing is uh, about like Jake like Jake was saying about living in the real world. Um, it also has to do with, like, being human, which, I don't know, I don't, like, Barbie questions, she has an existential crisis, right, she starts talking about death, and, uh, and then at the end of the movie she decides to become human, and the way to become human, so the Barbie creator tells us, is to have feeling. I don't know if that was really, I don't know if that was developed. Enough. I don't think it was, and yeah. that's what I'm saying, I don't think it was. We have, I think there were three times, maybe, I think really just two. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the most emotional points in the film. Yeah. I felt during those. I was like, yo. Yeah, I know, yeah. And the music, the music was getting me too. The piano yes. thing that was getting me. Yes. And I was like, don't you can cry because of music. Anyway, is was this movie good or bad? I don't know. Was this film about feminism or masculinity? 
I don't know. I don't know. But rating. Yeah, hey, we're going to rate this movie, and then we're going to go and see Oppenheimer, guys. So let's give this movie a rating. I'm going to give it a solid 4 out of 10. Whoa! Visuals were nice, and I like the outfits and the set design. Whoa! Yep. I was going to give it like a 6. No, this is this is not an average movie. Well, five's average. I know. So it's not an average movie, so it can't be above average. I am become Barbie. Destroyer of kittens. Alan. Do you know what this bone will do to the world? Hold on, now we gotta do an extreme close-up. I have dreams. That's right, everybody. <laughs> we just got back from seeing Oppenheimer. As you can tell, it is a different part of the day. Um, and let me just say, thank God we saw this one second. Yes. The bomb has just exploded in my that... pants. As in, I shit myself. <laughs> I just, I have a lot of good things to say about this movie. And I have one critique that I can't quite articulate yet. So I'm going to save that for the end to try to help my brain think. Hey, let's start with what worked. God, look, guys, no one, I mean, I, I hate to be this way. It's like the opposite of a Marvel movie, that sort of idea. It's just, it was a beautiful film. Yeah. I mean, it was just, in every aspect, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. The score was amazing. Visually, it was amazing with cinematography. Lighting was well done. Performances were well done. There was some interesting cerebral stuff going on mm -hmm. all around. I mean, he doesn't, he, he doesn't miss. Even when he does miss with Tenet, sorry, Kyle. I, he, I, he still doesn't miss in that aspect. This hyper-realism sort of very low-key shadows that just work yeah. so well. Yeah, the uh, just like Jake said, man, visually, auditorily, just everything comes together in this film, and it really is just like the combination of his past works. Um, it really is, man, and I'm, I'm so glad I got to see it on IMAX. Uh, yes. Personally, this was... Uh, just like after seeing Barbie and just being kind of like that depressed sucks. and sad, uh, you know, you go to the theater and you watch a movie that talks about a very serious existential problem and yet manages to do it in a way that it doesn't feel like I was preached to for what would have been three hours. Yeah. Um, and it told an interesting story about a person everybody knows of, kind of ancillarily, but... Uh, if that's a word, I know ancillary is a word, but anyways, it's ancillarily. A, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's a person that everybody knows, but people don't really know anything much about them. Right. And so that's a perfect person to do like a, as uh, Ash said, a a biopic, which I don't necessarily agree that that's what this film is, even though it's a historical. Yeah. Movie. Well, and I think it may have been marketed that way, or it was perceived that way. But 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 I do agree that that his character was a good canvas for telling the story of the development of of the bomb. Yeah. There is yeah. a near zero percent chance that, that the world would end. Yeah. And they were like, we got to do it, man. J um, the, the Japan, bro. Yeah. It, that's, what, that's what's so good about this movie is that it doesn't, it doesn't just present one side of the argument and then just say everything else is completely stupid and bad. Mm -hmm. It actually gives credence to opposing views. Like, he says, like, you know, the reason we need to make this atom bomb, even though Germany's surrendered and Hitler is, uh, you know, gone, they were like, well, you know, Japan's still on the rise. And then years later, he admits to saying, like, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure, like, we would have won and we didn't need to do the atom bomb. And that adds a lot of texture 
to this story that adds a lot of nuance, something that is missing from a lot of movies, and it's just like, man, I just I. I'm still in the uh, I'm still in the processing yeah. phase of yeah. watching a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, the idea of the atom bomb in itself, um, and he was very very smart about this. Mm-hmm. There is already tension built into that topic, and he does everything to build on that. Like when the bomb was about to go off, and it was it was a straight ninety seconds mm-hmm. that we were sitting there. Yeah, and it was counting down. And then, and this is kind of going off topic. We're talking about, and then we see it, and it's silent. And everybody's reacting to it mm-hmm. when that goes off, and you're still like, "Yeah, you're you're just you're completely frozen." And then when the sound hits, man, it punctures you. And I I had a full bladder at this point in the movie, and I didn't leave, even though I always leave during like three hour movies to pee because I didn't want to miss anything. And the explosion hit through the speakers, and I got a little bit of. A wet underwear. <laughs> but um, hey, uh, link in the description if you want to buy it. We'll put it on our SD <laughs> But yes, uh, I I had sweaty palms through a lot of the movie because one of the best things about this movie, pacing, editing, and tension, which I think all come together. Um, you you might disagree, and I know why you're going to disagree, um, because the editing was very fast. And there wasn't a lot of time to breathe on a lot of the things. And that doesn't help, too, when you're also changing formats, like filming formats between IMAX and Jesus Christ. Um, but um, Rest in peace I think that added to the tension and the pacing because it the whole idea of creating the atom bomb that smells really fucking bad, it's a race. Yeah. It's a race against everybody. And I think it's able to capture that, that need for speed. <laughs> I think it captures that while still maintaining the uh, necessary uh, plot and story uh, progression. This is why I'm conflicted about that, is because I agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. However, it felt like I was going the same speed the entire movie. Mm. There were very, very few times when the score was not active and not tense. So when I'm at this level the entire time, it gets difficult for me to process when things are changing. Because it does slow down, but it also picks up. But a lot of the time it's, you know, pretty Pretty steady. Flat-lined high. Now I will say, I think that that heightens when it is silent. Mm -hmm. So the entire film is at this intense level, but then when everything goes away, Mm -hmm. it is very, very jarring. And and the main time it happens is in the midpoint, which is crazy when the bomb explodes. Right. Which Uh, I wasn't expecting. I was not either. And everything goes away. And what should be this very loud, thunderous, uh, enormous thing that you're like, Wow! is the exact opposite. Yeah. And I don't think that could have been achieved if it fluctuated more. Right. Well, it, it, it almost, this film takes almost the exact opposite approach of every other film in terms of uh, that sound design aspect right. of it, where most films will do quiet and ramp up to the loud bang, right? Whereas this film is like, I'm going to start high, stay high, 
and then we're going to have a silence as the height of the sound, um, which again is like really cool. Yes. Um, it, it is so interesting, man. Um, oh my god, man! I'm like I'm gushing over this film. I, I <laughs> this is really good. He's a big Nolan fan. I, I am a big Nolan fan. By the way, uh, this movie completely pertains to my theory about Nolan's pragmatic which lie, which you should be on, go be on this one. Or this one. There's going to be a card somewhere. One of these, yeah. Anyways, go and watch that after so you watch this. Uh, it's one of our first videos ever. I wanted more story. Okay. This I'm is a very, said, this is a very plot-centric film. And there's a lot to get to. And I kind of mentioned this. It, it, it's, it's a film about Oppenheimer, but it's really not about Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. It's about the struggle of sort of the idea of... of having a weapon and you have to get through a lot you have to get through a lot and it didn't feel and it didn't feel like the story was about Oppenheimer it felt like the story was about the case which was maybe 15 20% of the film like I would say like 30 max 30? okay yeah yeah no I I agree um I was talking with uh with Ash on the ride back and I was one one thing that Nolan nailed absolutely nailed in Batman Begins The Dark Knight Inception and Interstellar. What, what did I say? What what he nailed in those four movies specifically, not saying that he doesn't in the other ones, but those ones specifically, is having a true and deep emotional core about the relationships between two characters at, at, at its core. Yeah. Um, and that is what heightens those films to be so revered and so loved. And I know it's like, you know, anything that becomes popular has to go through a period of being saying that it's bad because there are people saying that Inception's bad and stuff, and I understand the critiques, but you're wrong. And Got but at the, at the same time, um, this film doesn't have that that really really strong core, that revelation at the end that that uh, creates a, a sense of um, catharsis for the audience. Mm -hmm. um, I think you get that on an intellectual level. I don't know yes. if you get it at, on a feeling. Level that and I, and I think and this this sort of goes with Death Stranding too, which that game is amazing. Oppenheimer Oppie also gets gypped from his catharsis mm. because when the when the bombs go off in in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, he is like just sitting in a room, like he's just he's just in Los Los Alamos, and he hears it on the radio, mm -hmm. and so this this feat that he has created that he he has organized, he doesn't get to celebrate it really he didn't get to control. be there yeah. right and so i think that there is some sort of cerebral connection there mm -hmm. but again it's it's we go to movies to feel as she says right as, we just as don't, the all-important we just says. don't feel that yeah it, it's really hard to put like my finger on it uh, and this is like my difficulty with with nailing down because i think the theme has something to do with control I don't know. That might not be the right word for it either. It's I, I really am struggling to uh, to put a word to this, which which I think lends credence to the fact that it it must be good because I'm not able to easily identify what irks me about something. You're um, only gonna get it if you watch Rick and Morty. Let's put it right. Like well, that. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's definitely a solid entry. I I I'm a tenant defender. Yes. But I also understand that it's one of his weakest films, um, if not his weakest. Um, so this one is definitely better uh, than Tenet, um, just on the fact that I could hear the dialogue is already... Well, for the most part. 
Yeah, for the most part. Kyle is a Nolan stan. Yeah. I am not. I'm a Nolan stand. Uh, uh, I'm gonna die one day. Ten bucks. Yeah, I feel like that's not him on the It's it's no Interstellar. I'll, let me. I'll say that it's no Interstellar. Yeah, and and that's what I was saying. Like Interstellar has this like true like emotional core to it, and it's like the line that he says in Tenet, where it's like try not to think about it, you have to feel it, um, and that's where Nolan works best, where he has all of these really heightened ideas intellectually. And under that is an emotional core that if you don't get the ideas, you understand that feeling, man, and you empathize with the characters because of that. And I'm not saying that that's not present here. I'm not saying that at all. Because it is there. I just don't think it quite hits. Well, we didn't get the time to really right. deal and, with those. And that's part of why the, the pacing doesn't necessarily help for the story. I completely yeah. agree with that. Um, I have to go see this again in theaters. Um, and I and I expect all of you, after watching our review, the only the only people you respect on the internet to give you an opinion That's on this true. really memeable movie. Uh, Jeremy and, Johns, get yeah. out of here, bro. Yeah, Angry I, Joe, get out of here. I know here, nobody's going to review this movie, and you're definitely going to see this review first on first. YouTube. So because of our recommendation, please definitely go see Oppenheimer. Give people money uh, for movies that are not created for IP and money for, for IP and also not created by just a board of people who I did not work on the Oppenheimer? Ipenheimer? Ipenheimer? Yeah. Dude, I'm waiting for the Oppenheimer uh, like expanded universe. Oh, <laughs> we got spinoffs? Yeah, I want, I want yeah. background on Einstein yeah. over there in like Sweden or wherever he was. What's your rating? I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe and say eight point five out of ten. Okay. Uh, this, but on rewatch, it might lower to nine or lower to seven. Or excuse me, raise to nine or lower <laughs> to seven. And that's sort of how I feel. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna sit in an eight yeah. for now. Rating movies is tough. It really is. It really is because it's, it's all comparative. Because if I say if I say Barbie six, mm -hmm. and I give Oppenheimer a seven and a half. Right. It seems like it's not that much better, but yeah. But it is. So I'm going to lower Barbie to five. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give Oppenheimer a seven and a half. You can. You would lower Barbie. What? Sexism. Because you said you lowered her. So oh, I, I did. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> anyway. I don't think it'll get lower. Mm -hmm. But I do think it may get higher. It's a very good film. Yeah. It's it a very really good is. film. It's a well-crafted film. Best live-action film that we've gotten this year. It was creative and artistic and, like, I'll say that. I'll agree with that. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you for watching our BFD review. Uh, we plan on uploading still, like we said in the last video, uh, you know, we did our one-year celebration, but here's how things are going to be from now on. They're going to be a little bit different. They're going to be a little bit exciting. Uh, and you know what? You should uh, tell all your friends to subscribe to us so that we can hit a thousand subscribers like tomorrow. So I give you eight minutes. Florence, phew, hey, dub for the boys on that. <laughs>